All right, well, this morning, we are going to talk about the gift of God's love. And uh, just to get us there, I'm going to read um, a passage of Scripture from early on in John. It's outside of the Christmas story. But this passage of Scripture is what it's all about. It's what it all boils down to, the coming of Jesus Christ, the love of God in our lives. So I want to invite you today to really hear John 3. I'll read it, John 1 through 17. And just let the love of God meet you right where you are, even now as you hear the word of God. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with them. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said. Do you not understand these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen but still you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who looks up and believes on him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. Let's pray. Father, we would miss the mark so widely today if we sang about the love of God and we talked about the love of God and we heard scriptures about the love of God. And we ourselves did not experience the love of God. So Holy Spirit, we invite you today, as we look at your word, as we worship, we invite you to minister the love of God to every heart in this place and watching online in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. Um, I'm going to try and outsing Helen. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, Ooh, that would be a futile attempt. I'm going to open um, this message about God's love with a very personal story. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, and I invite you not to get lost in the story. There's more to come. Um, but as it, as it happens two weeks ago, um, I was publicly lambasted. Um, very, very openly for the world to see. Um, at least for anybody who was looking in that direction in that moment. And uh, don't worry, it wasn't any of you, okay? 
Um, it wasn't even anybody, anybody west of the Mississippi River, um, but it was, it was by somebody that I had worked with in a land far away years, years ago. And nevertheless, this man, um, who, what he did was out of his own pain, um, the pain of rejection as a child, um, as, a, as a younger minister, he, uh, he did what many people do with unresolved pain in his life. Um, with wounds that don't get healed, he, uh, he painted a target on me and several people that he had worked with, and then he took aim and he fired. Um, and again, why did he do that? Because when our wounds don't get healed, when we, we live with offense instead of getting free of offense in Jesus Christ, um, we not only self-destruct quite often, we take other people with us. We, we hurt other people. Um, we, we really do some damage. And so anyway, um, this guy now, because of what he did and how he did it, he was in big trouble. Um, not big trouble with me, but big trouble with the authorities over him. And so, so one day I got a call and um, I was contacted by the powers that be. And I actually didn't know anything about what had happened. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Uh, not in a good way. That's not a good incredible. I was like, I can't believe this. So anyway, I found out, um, you know, what this guy had done. And I realized in the course of the conversation that because I was his former boss and I was the head of the staff, suddenly as we're in the middle of me finding out what happened, I realized this guy's fate is pretty much in my hands. Um, I could actually, I had the opportunity to pretty much destroy this man who had really sought to destroy so many other people. Um, just, I had the means, meaning I had all the information, all the backstory, I knew all the players. So I had the means, but I also had the motivation. Um, I, I, could, I could likely end any hope this guy had of serving again in ministry anytime soon. It's just, it's just where we were. And, and I just wish, I so wish I could stand before you this morning with an angelic look on my face and just a holy tone in my voice and say, oh, in that moment, I felt nothing but grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. I wish I could, but I, honestly, I didn't. Um, I, a, after what he did, and how he did it and who he did it to, I really wanted the guy to suffer. Um, I, I wanted him to feel the crushing weight of justice. I wanted him to feel the humiliation because what he had done with his former staff is he put us all on the, on, in, in the court of, of, you know, the public court of display. And what he had done is he had gathered a crowd you know, a, cr a crowd of, that had heard his toxic words and the comments back were, oh, I'm so sorry for the suffering that you endured. And so there we were, him caught like a rat in a trap and, and me with a golden opportunity to make sure that he reaped what he had sown. And so there we were, and I had about 24 hours before I had to give a deposition and um, so I took the 24 hours and I thought, you know, I might as well pray about this. So I got really still before the Lord and I just said, God, I'm feeling a, a number of things and I just need to know, what, what do I say? You know, what, what do I say back? 
And then I had my second start realization, and it was that in reality, I wasn't that much different from this guy. Um, now, did I do what he did publicly? No. Would I ever do that publicly? No, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I, I didn't, but you know, privately, I, I had felt a lot of bitterness myself over the years. Um, you know, I, I, I had carried some real offense toward this guy because of working with him. I mean, in my humble opinion, which is right, he had been a real pain in the neck. Um, he, he was a nightmare employee, but the truth is, in my heart, in my mind, I was only standing a few feet away, away from where he was standing. And so I spent, uh, you know, a couple of hours actually on my front porch late at night just asking God to forgive me for what I had carried against him, um, to cleanse me of my sin, to forgive me as I forgave him. And then at the end of that, I simply asked the Lord to bless this man in any way he could. And so anyway, the next day I gave my deposition and, and I simply just told the truth without any venom. And then I asked this court above him to show him any mercy that they could. And honestly, I don't know what comes next for him. I don't know what his story holds. But the point of this story is that, humanly speaking, none of us is righteous. Humanly speaking, outside of Jesus Christ, we are all born into sin, and we all go out to prove that we are born in sin by sinning throughout the course of our life in, in many different ways, in our minds, in our hearts, uh, with our words and our actions. And so in a situation like that one, whether we're the perpetrator like he was or the victim like I was, um, no one is better than anybody else. Outside of Jesus Christ, none of us has preferred status with God. Outside of Jesus Christ, nobody's better than anybody else. Outside of Christ, and both inside Christ, none of us ever gets the right to sit on God's throne and be judge and jury and, and to pass judgment on anybody else. And see, that's actually the setup for our passage today in John chapter 3. This is actually what is happening with Nicodemus. He is coming to this realization. Now, I want you to understand this about Nicodemus. This is a man who spiritually and socially, he's got it all going on, okay? Um, as a Pharisee, Nicodemus is a man of rank and status. Um, religiously speaking, Nicodemus has big-time status, okay? He's also got earthly wealth, and yet he comes to Jesus at night knowing that something's not right, all right? I mean, he is a man, you know, in the church world, he's a man that we would look at and go, that guy, top of the food chain, folks, he's got it all. But he knows that something is not quite right in his heart and his life. Nicodemus knows, okay? I mean, even though he will lead the temple in a sense and lead worship, he knows he is on the outside looking in at spiritual life. And so he comes to Jesus, and Jesus drops a big reveal on Nicodemus. And the big reveal is that spiritual life, it doesn't have anything to do with rank or status. It, it, it really isn't connected to that good chore list that we do. 
It, it isn't connected to attendance in church. Um, being uh, spiritual life comes from being spiritually reborn. It's the only way it happens. And John is so good here in John chapter 3 that in verse 36, he makes sure after the story that we don't miss what spiritual life is, how rebirth happens. He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There is spiritual rebirth. But whoever rejects Jesus, the Son of God, will not see life. So, just so we're all clear here and out there, spiritual rebirth happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. We are born into the saving love of God, and we are meant to live out the saving love of God. And so, see, that's the pickle I was in in what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. That's why I could not stand over my brother and condemn him for his sin. Because first of all, you know, I was once a lost sinner without hope in the world. So I started there. But, but even having come to Christ, I mean, let's be honest, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know, I, I still sin. I, I still struggle and am tempted. But see, also, the radical gift of God's love and His salvation, it is meant to change the way I live and also change the way I love. It's meant to change who I am in relationships, not just with the people I know and get along with every day, right here, this family, and, and all of you, but people on the outside. You know, people who aren't so nice every day, people who make tragic mistakes. The love of God is meant to change who I am back to them. Bottom line is if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, I could not condemn my brother. If Jesus loved me to life, if his love is really in me, I've got to show it to this guy in this tragic moment. And see, if, if, if I don't, and you can turn the eye into yourself, if we don't, then have we really stepped out of darkness into light? If not, then these Advent words that we love every year, you know, hope, joy, peace, love, all they are is words to us. The songs that we sing are just words that kind of buzz around our head for a few weeks until January comes. If, if, if I cannot show this guy the love and the mercy that God showed me, then all I am is a man who preaches to you, but never ever hears the words himself. I never preach to me. You know, one of the greatest tragedies I can think of is to be Nicodemus in John chapter 3. To be someone who spends a lifetime in religious activity, but in reality is in spiritual deception. I just think that what a waste to be in on the inside, right? Working for Christ, but not alive in Christ. And so that's where Nicodemus starts out. But the good news with Nicodemus is that we know from, from the Gospels, Nicodemus does take the journey. We know that Nicodemus is changed by the love of God, and, and he ends up on the right side of spiritual life. And it's really neat how we know. We, we don't really know for sure until the crucifixion. When Jesus is crucified and he is buried, you remember what happens to the disciples? They scatter, right? Like chickens in a barnyard. They are gone. 
in the dark of the night. Well, Nicodemus, right, who first came to Jesus at night, Nicodemus then takes a public stand for Jesus Christ. He and Joseph of Arimathea, you remember, that they get the body, they, they put it in Joseph's tomb, and it is just the most beautiful act of love for the Lord of love. But it's also undeniable proof that Nicodemus has experienced the saving love of God for himself. His life shows us that. His actions prove that. And so my appeal to all of us today, okay, my appeal to all of us is to be Nicodemus, okay? I want you to all sign up for the Pharisee party immediately. No, um, but take that spiritual journey. All of us take that spiritual journey. Open the gift of God's love this season instead of wasting our lives. And people do this in church. Uh, my, my mother, for example, if she's watching this, hey, lovey, good to see you. But uh, my mother grew up, okay, now she's British. She grew up in the Church of England, spent her whole life in the Church of England, never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, never acted upon it, but a lifetime of spiritual activity. Comes to the States, thank God we're preaching the word wherever she was. She hears and, and, and her life has changed. But don't waste your life in religious activity and spiritual deception like Nicodemus did. Don't do what I had an opportunity to do recently, okay? Waste your life in a bitter cesspool of who betrayed you or who beat you down in this life. Also, don't live it, wasting your life in self-condemnation over how you failed in the past, what you did wrong this week, you know, how you're broken and you'll mess up tomorrow. Because folks, when it comes to spiritual life, in the end, it doesn't matter what we did. It doesn't matter what they did. What matters is what He did. That's what matters. And what He, Jesus Christ, the Son of God did was He came down here to this earth. And we can argue whether it was Christmas or August or you know, December 25th or April. None of that matters, but He came down here into our darkness, not to condemn a world that honestly really deserved it, right? I think we, we, we all have got to agree, but we, we have earned the wrath of God, but Jesus didn't come down to condemn the world. What did he come down to do? To seek and to save the lost, to, to turn darkened orphans into children of God, to rescue us from sin, to give us life, but what we must always understand, and I know we hear it a lot, but, but don't let it pass you by. That life only comes through spiritual rebirth. To live spiritually, we must be born again. We must put our trust in Christ by inviting Him to, to save us and to reign and rule us, and we got to keep our trust in Christ. So it begins when we invite Jesus into our lives. And then what happened to me recently, you know, two weeks ago, ending with, uh, I think, last Sunday. But, but the challenge after that is once we receive that new life, we are meant to walk in it, to, to, to extend it. Paul, Paul calls it this. It's the challenge of Romans 6.4, where we are called to then walk in the newness of of life. Not just accept Christ and go, good, done, later, but to walk in the newness of Christ. And that means once we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are meant to walk 
out that life and that love all of our days. And that means walking in forgiveness. Walking in forgiveness, first of all, for ourselves. You know, just think about this. In Jesus Christ, all of our past, our present, and our future sins, we are promised forgiveness. Cleanness. You know, as, as we turn to Christ, we, we are cleansed again and again. It's so beautiful. The problem of sin, it, it doesn't become a cancer that has to eat us alive. But it also involves forgiving them of their past sins, their present sins, and their future sins. And again, we don't do that because it's easy. We do it because of what He did for us. And I know as I say that, listen, yes, trust me, I know. I know. I got reminded two weeks ago, they can do some pretty bad things to us at times. But you know, if we're honest, so can we. So can we. So do we. Folks, I invite you this Christmas to either open or to reopen the gift of God's love for yourself. By opening it, I mean if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life, do it this season. He is everything that we have talked about. Wonderful, mighty, glorious, eternal Lord, Savior, God. He is all of those things. And, and as Lord, He changes everything about us. He really does. I, I can't oversell Jesus Christ to you. If you have never opened the gift of God's love in Jesus Christ and invited him into your life, do it. And if you're sitting there going, okay, but when? You know, do I have to wait for, no, listen, today, Jesus, I'll see if I can, I can rattle this off. Isaiah, David, Jesus, and Paul, every one of them actually tell us exactly when we do this. In their own words, each one of them say, today, today, if you hear his voice, today's your day of salvation. Meaning, today, if the lights go on and you know, you know what, I got it. He is the Son of God. He, he is who, who the Word of God says he is. Just invite him into your life, into your heart with your own words. And if you need help, I can think of a room full of people, including me, who would love to pray that with you if you need that today. So I invite you to do that. But maybe... You are like me today. You are a Christian who sometimes gets the stuffing just kicked out of them by other people. Sometimes you kick the stuffing out of your own self with your own sin, right? I mean, come on, we all know about that. If so, I invite you to open the, reopen the gift of God's love, meaning look to Jesus. Look to Jesus once again. Embrace him as your first love. And let his love wash over you. Let, let his love cleanse you. Let his love renew you. Let his love cover your sin. And let his love cover over their sin. Regardless of whether they ever come to you and say, I'm sorry for what I did. It, it doesn't matter from your end. Be free. Be clean. Let the love of Jesus Christ conquer any enemy, any darkness in your life. That's the beauty of what he did coming down here dying for us, raising to new life, to bring us to life today, and wow, to bring us to life in the next. So let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. We love you. We can't love you enough. We can't love you back enough. And Father, I thank you that, that every year, just to stop and to, to gather once again at the nativity and just to behold you, 
Father, I remember that preaching line we had in one of our series that we become what we behold. God, we want to behold your love. And we want to become your beloved in every respect. And I just thank you that you are the God of renewal. You are the God of revival. You are the God of refreshment. And we want so much to be a living, vibrant spiritual family. Father, thank you for the gift of love to your people in Jesus this year.